0: Good evening, how is everyone? Welcome to Ash Wednesday service. How many of you, is this your very first Ash Wednesday service to attend? So It's new, it's new to some of you. Well, welcome, I'm so glad that all of you have come out tonight. And then I know the weather has not been cooperating too much today, but it could have been a lot worse, so Welcome. Ashes are a biblical reminder of our mortality. After Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and sin entered into all humankind, God tells Adam in Genesis 3.19, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. The spreading of ashes on foreheads, which is what we're going to do tonight, is a bi- is a visible reminder of this. And the ashes also represent sorrow and repentance for sin. So let's start out the evening with, with worshiping together.
1: If you will stand with me. This one should be fresh in your minds from Sunday, and it'll start focusing our hearts.
2: she
3: Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Amen. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed
4: like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in love.
3: He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as we deserve for our sins, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. So far as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed. Our transgressions
4: from us as a father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him for he knows how we are formed he remembers that we are dust the life of mortals is like grass they flourish like a flower of the field the wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness is with their children's children, and those who keep his covenant, and those who remember to obey his precepts.
3: The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise,
0: Praise the Lord, all my, my soul. soul. Amen. Amen.
4: Father, we thank you for this time together, for what this evening means. For this time of introspection in our own lives to stop to think of all the marvelous works of our Father of the preciousness of the Son who gave his life for us and the Holy Spirit that woos our soul, that convicts our soul that loves on our soul Father may this time be a time That we stop again and remember who you are to us and who you want us to be, how you want us to live. Thank you for this time. Thank you for those who've prepared it. Bless it now as we give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
5: This is uh, Psalm 51, one of my favorite psalms. The Psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unf- unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. in that secret place.
6: Cleanse me with my hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me.
5: Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed of God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness.
6: Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise.
1: If you stand with me. Continue to worship.
2: Let us
1: Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the season that we're coming upon. and For tonight being marked by what it is that you've done for us and that we belong to you. Lord, I praise you for the fact that you wore that crown for us. And it was painful and yet you bore it. And then you give us a crown of glory, Jesus, because we love you and because we belong to you. I don't know how to praise you more, Father. You are a good, good Father to us. I thank you for what it is that the that season means to us as believers. And I pray, Lord, that you will, you will mark our hearts and open our hearts up to what it is that you have done. Don't let it be something that we have that we just do out of habit every year, Jesus. I pray that we will remember what you did for us, Jesus, that you made a way when we didn't deserve it. And I just praise you, Lord, for doing that. The psalm that we just read of David and how you made a way for him. Even though he committed many sins against you, Lord, you loved him. You do the same for us. So, Lord, I thank you that we can come into this room tonight as your children and we can begin a journey to Easter that we remember everything that you did, that we remember what we've done against you and how you have cleaned that slate for us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for being an amazing King of kings and Lord of lords. I don't know how else to say thank you, Jesus. There's just not words that are on this earth that we can use to thank you enough. But we do thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
0: We've heard God's word tonight. We've sung and worshiped the Lord But now I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about a man, a man called Rocky. Rocky Johnson is this man's name. Rocky was a fisherman and probably a pretty good one until that day that Jesus, Jesus called him away from his nets and away from his boat to be one of his disciples. Because of Rocky's zealous nature, he quickly became one of Jesus' right-hand men. One that Jesus really counted on. Rocky was a natural leader. He was also a natural protector. And when Jesus pulled his disciples together and he looked them in the eyes and he shared with them that he was going to suffer, and that he was going to die, Rocky wouldn't hear of it. I'm willing to die for you, Jesus. Whatever it takes, I'm there for you, Rocky said. But Jesus knew Rocky. Jesus knew Rocky very well, and he knew. That his faith and his desire to be who Jesus needed him to be was strong, but it was also weak. And when faced with danger, Rocky's fear of suffering, his fear of death, outweighed his faith. And Rocky failed Jesus. Now, we know Rocky as Simon, Simon Peter, son of John, called the rock by Jesus himself because of his rock-solid faith, a faith so strong that Jesus could build his church on it. It was in the olive grove in the middle of the night that the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. Impetuous Peter drew his sword and stood in front of Jesus to protect him. He even cut off one of the soldier's ears. Take that! But Jesus, being Jesus, quickly stopped the violence and restored the soldier's ear. Jesus was arrested that night and taken away from his faithful followers. But Peter and another disciple secretly followed them into the dangerous unknown. Peter, brave, zealous, and a faithful follower of Jesus, followed him right into his place of suffering. But here, in the fray, we see a different side to peter when asked if he knew jesus peter quickly answered i don't know that man later that night as peter stood with the high priest's servants warming himself around the fire he was recognized as being with jesus in the olive grove Weren't you there with Jesus in the olive grove? You look like someone that was there. But Peter, again, immediately denied being with Jesus that night in the olive grove. And then he even denied that he was one of his disciples. Faithful, brave, zealous Peter, when faced with suffering And faced with death, he said, I don't know Jesus. I was not with Jesus, and I am not one of his disciples. Peter, who just hours before cut off a man's ear defending Jesus, and now he's denied him three times. Not only did Peter not die for Jesus, When faced with death himself, he didn't even want to be associated with him. Three times when Jesus needed him the most, his friend Peter, the rock, failed him. As we know, Jesus was scourged, treated as a criminal, nailed to the cross to die. He was buried in a tomb which was sealed shut. It was all over. The disciples, including Peter, went back to the life that they knew, the life of fishing. Their leader, their rabbi, their only hope was dead and buried. But early one morning, while the disciples were out in their boat, fishing, Jesus called out to them from the shore. And Peter, recognizing that voice, recognizing who that was, jumped into the water and swam as fast as he could to Jesus. What's amazing about that is that even after denying him three times, Jesus still Pursued Peter. Peter knew he had messed up, but he knew that even though he messed up, he could still go to Jesus. His failure did not deny access to Jesus. He knew he had messed up, and instead of hiding like Adam and Eve did in the garden after they sinned, Peter jumped in the water and swam to Jesus. He couldn't wait to be forgiven. And I can imagine Peter crawling up out of the water, running to Jesus and drenching him, not only with his soaked garments, but with his tears as well. And I can picture Jesus wrapping his nail-scarred arms around his friend Peter, holding him close and saying, you are forgiven. Jesus forgave and restored Peter that day. And he Peter of his mission to feed and to care for his sheep. And he didn't say it just once, did he? He said it three times, one time for each of Peter's denials. Jesus reconciled his relationship with Peter, and he healed that deep wound that caused that was caused by Peter's sin. And Jesus, he had gone to the cross, so to forgive Peter's sin. Jesus went to the gates of hell so Peter could have authority and eternal life. Jesus ascended into heaven and put on a glorified body so Peter could have one too. He came back to earth to reveal himself as risen, alive, and to restore sinners such as Peter back to himself. This account of Peter's denial is one that I can relate to, and maybe you can too. I try hard to be who Jesus wants me to be, but hard as I try, there are times that I fail him. And what I have found is that no matter what I have done, Jesus still Pursues me. And no matter what you have done, Jesus still pursues you. Jesus never highlights our failures, but rather he forgives us and he restores us. No matter what we have done, we can always turn back to Jesus in repentance, which means turning away from our sin and turning back to God. No matter what we have done, we can ask for his forgiveness and his restoration. Ash Wednesday reminds us that two things are involved in genuine repentance. The dying of the old self and the coming to life of the new. The way to Easter is the way of the cross, a death, a death to the old self. Romans 6.3 says, Do you not know that all of us who were, have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? New life with Christ involves a daily surrender of the old life. Ash Wednesday, the first step of this Lenten journey, invites us to acknowledge our mortality and our sinfulness by the imposition of ashes. Let's pray. Gracious God, you created us out of the dust of the earth and breathed into us the breath of life. By your hand we live, and to your hands we return when all our days are done. Grant that the awareness of our mortality may lead us not to fear, but to faith. In our weakness, teach us to look to you for strength. In our failures, to turn to you and find forgiveness and in our dying to await the gift of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm going to now invite you all to come forward for the ashes to be put on your forehead to remind us again that we are dust, and to dust we will return. Come forward. I will put the ashes on your forehead, and then if you'd like to to kneel and pray you're welcome to do.
7: I have to say that the swift passing of the years makes me sad and uh, kind of an emotional moment, but we need to recognize that, that life is short, that the years fly by, that we need to make the most of every day and every opportunity. Well, I've been asked to uh, share a bit about fasting. Ironic, because of all the things that we may talk about tonight, that's the one I feel less confident in. I don't know if you read my Wednesday word of encouragement, but I'd like to share a few things from there. One of the things that I shared in there is that I've never felt like fasting was my strong suit. My one consistent fast is uh, every Sunday. I don't eat until I've preached, and that has been the case for my whole ministry. There have been other times that I've fasted and prayed, and those two things always go together. Uh, For those that I love, it flowed out of a deep burden for them and what they were facing. Uh, I've fasted in times of great challenge when I needed wisdom. Um, Those two uh, flowed out of a time when I was burdened with that. And maybe there's a clue to fasting there, For I think when it's uh, most genuine and effective, it uh, comes from those times when we have uh, a hunger for God and a hunger for his work that's even greater than a hunger for food. Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the Lenten season, and the Lenten season is a time of preparation. I appreciate that about the liturgical calendar, the Christian calendar. Uh, We don't just arrive at uh, Easter Sunday or Christmas Day and start celebrating. We prepare our hearts. It's a time of self-examination. It's a time of repentance, of turning to sin and turning to God. It's a time of giving to the poor, traditionally. And it's a time of prayer and fasting. Uh, The scripture is filled with references to fasting, and in that Wednesday email I shared that Matthew 6:16 6, is a challenge to me. Uh, Jesus said, "When you fast." He didn't say if. He said, "When you fast." And the context of that 6th chapter of Matthew uh, was Jesus instruction not to do your acts of righteousness to be seen by men, whether that's praying or giving or fasting. But he said, "When you fast," Later in that same gospel, some disciples of John came up to Jesus, and they said to Jesus, why do we fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus' reply was that while they have the bridegroom with them, they're not going to fast, but when he's taken from them, they will fast. And he was anticipating that day when he would ascend to the right hand of the Father, and that's the very day that we're living in. When? You fast. So I might share a few thoughts regarding why we fast. But I'm wondering if you might contribute to that tonight since fasting isn't my strong suit. I could use some help. What have you found in your uh, walk of faith as you fast, the reasons for doing that, the benefits? What compels you to give something up? Whether it's in this season of the year or some other time in your life, thoughts, insights. My staff really helped me today. Larry, yeah, come on up, maybe uh, or stand. I'll
8: bring the mic to you that way everyone can hear you. I used to fast one day a week. I fasted on Mondays. And uh, I, I was a general foreman at a nuclear power plant, but uh, I would go off by myself and took my Bible with me at lunch and uh, fasted that meal. I fasted the evening before, and I would, I would eat later on Monday nights, but I would, I would pass up meals on Sunday. And then uh, I, that was just a good time for me, just to offer thanksgiving to the Lord for my family, as I prayed protection on them. I had little bitty kids, and um, it was it, it just it was a time for me to focus on them. I focused on a lot of people, but uh, that was a good time for me to yeah. focus on them. I don't know if there's any really hard, fast rules about S- some people because of your physical being you may struggle and it's never meant to be a guilt trip we're just saying that it's a weapon sometimes the lord says that uh sometimes strongholds aren't broken without prayer and fasting the disciples came back and they weren't they were amazed that uh the demons even got out of their way at times but there were some that didn't And they couldn't understand. And and Jesus said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. That's that's an interesting thing. Uh, Jesus made it look real easy. He just did it for 40 days. I don't know if you've ever fasted much. The first two days are a piece of cake. You don't want to be around anybody that's fasting for the th- on the third day if, if uh, you're, you're not used to it and they're not used to it, they're not good. It, <laughs> there's a war that takes place in, in, in us. And I think that's part of the fasting thing, that we surrender all of our, our needs of taking care of ourselves to focus on someone else. Yeah, that's good
7: said an important word, focus, and it's uh, fasting, the discipline of that, or times we fast is when we we kind of shove food and other things aside, and our, our singular focus is God and seeking his face, that's good. And I thought about that Matthew 17 passage, Jesus comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration and his disciples couldn't deliver the boy that was tormented by evil spirits, and what's up with that and Jesus did deliver him it always has struck me that in the moment Jesus didn't pray or fast he was prayed and fasted up and so when the opportunity came he was able to deliver that uh, evil spirit from that boy that's good anyone else anything to share yeah right here
9: so when we were kids um We would give up something, and the the money that we saved by you know that was put into our self denial or our world services missionary fund, and that was a good good experience. Over time, uh, we uh, you stop doing something or stop eating something, and I started stop eating something that was not good for me, like Pepsi. I love I love Pepsi. So I stopped doing that, and, and I never got back to it, which was all right. you know. So giving up uh, something that wasn't wasn't good for me was a was a way of cleansing myself and being more more the person. Later on, uh, it had to had to do with not giving up something, but start doing something, begin to do something that uh, I, I had not done before. And that's been my, my pattern for the last several years is, all right, what is it that you want me to do that I haven't been doing that I just haven't thought about? And now, uh, so um, one year I had to give up my ego because I, I, I'm i not a writer, but I wrote something and I sent it out to people and I said, don't, don't tell me this is good or bad or whatever. It's not, that's not the issue. I had to give up my ego because I didn't want them to feel badly about my terrible writing or whatever, skills or whatever. So... It was a that kind of a giving up, something that uh, was obviously important to me, but not not should not be important to me. So I haven't decided what I'm going to do this year, uh, but I I, beg- I have started the process of saying, "What do you want me to do? Give up? Start doing? What What is it that you want from me?"
7: So I don't know. It, it'll come to me. Makes a good point. If you give something up, something. Else, and in this case, something better can come in. You also made a good point about uh, you know giving something up and the money you could fast going out to eat for the next forty days, and the money you save give to some good cause. And the other thing that fasting can do is create time. If you fast a meal, you're not just eating or conversing with someone or going somewhere. You can spend that time in prayer. That's another benefit of fasting. Very good. Someone else? And it has to rhyme with Larry and Harry if you're wanting to share at this point. So we have Jerry. (laughs) We need a berry. Well, look at this, Jerry. Okay, we're going to stop after Harry, Larry, and Jerry. That's got to be significant.
10: Uh, In the ministry over the years I've had, I I did quite a bit of fasting, it seems like at times, especially when there were issues that came up in the church, I'd take before the Lord, and one of the things I found out when I'd fast, the first day would be tough, the second day I always got hiccups, I had hiccups all day long, the third day was sort of tough, once I got past the third day, I had no problem fasting for a week, two weeks, three weeks at a time. But one of the things I found out also, and I learned that, you know, when you eat, your blood and stuff goes to your stomach to help digest your food. And when you don't eat and don't have that food, that blood goes to your brain. It helps to make you more keenly aware of the Holy Spirit. And I found that so often in ministry that it makes a difference in my preaching my whole life. Just The word says we need to pray, we need to fast, and if we're just obedient, it makes a difference. Great testimony.
7: Fasting can be a reminder of our need for independence on God. Uh, We trust him in times of fasting to sustain us. Our hunger for God even greater than our hunger uh, for food. So on Sunday mornings, we'll have a little insert in the bulletin each week during the Lenten season, and it'll have some resources and helps and guidance for this uh, time of preparation and self-examination and all the rest, and that will include uh, this matter of fasting. Uh, Jesus didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast. Personally, I prefer feasting. <laughs> it reminds me of a retreat I did for pastors on the South Carolina district years uh, ago, and it was on the theme of prayer. It was a prayer retreat, but it was definitely prayer and feasting. But God seems to cause to fast. And as I thought about that just today, I thought perhaps that's one more means of grace that he's given to us to equip us with power uh, for the the high calling that we have as followers of Jesus in these uh, days in which we live. Uh, so, prayer and fasting, part of this season of the year. Thanks for sharing, Harry, Larry, and Jerry. <laughs> what other church? Anywhere. And uh, God bless you guys. And and I think uh, one last thought, uh, Larry said it. I think each of us have to find our way. This isn't a guilt thing. It's a it's a resource. It's something that God needs to lead you to. And uh, we'll have some creative ways to fast that we'll share with you on Sunday mornings. It may not all be about food. Maybe about some other things as well. So uh, there you have it.
11: Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed?
12: Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today, and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, and for lying in a sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a
11: fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am.
12: If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malice talk, And if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings.
1: Would you stand as we get ready to close out this service and what a blessed time it's been, and we'll just worship together.
2: Let us not lift our souls to another. generation that seeks, who seeks your face. O God of Jacob, O God, let us be a generation that seeks, who seeks your face. O
1: is one of my favorite services, and it's so underrated, <laughs> and it's just so special. And I can't look at you guys for very long because I will burst out in tears to see you marked. And we are marked. Scripture tells us we are marked, and the enemy sees that all the time, not just when we have ashes. And that's something that when I, when I leave after a service like this, him heart for king. Wow. I want to do him honor. So I encourage you in the next 40 days to remember that. That after you wash this off tonight when you go to bed that it stays. doesn't go away. And as we get closer and closer to Easter and if you choose to fast which I encourage you to because it's difficult but it is The most blessed time. I love that time with him. He draws me near. And my my spiritual awareness and and my spidey senses are so in tune to him during that time. So I encourage you to do that. But as you leave and you remember that you're marked, also remember there's people out there that are not. They're not marked yet. And they need to know Jesus. So it's a good time to really focus on that. So I want to encourage you in that. And we just thank you guys for coming out. Let me just close in prayer. And um, God bless you guys through the rest of the week. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for this sweet time together with my brothers and sisters and you. Lord, thank you for marking us as your own. Thank you for showing us grace through so many different stories in the Bible, through testimony. Thank you for the testimony of, of the fasting with all the all the people that shared tonight, with Harry, with Larry, and with Jerry. Jesus, I just, I'm grateful for their testimony in that. I pray, Lord, that um, you will help us as we step into this season to fast for you, and and what it is that you want to do in our lives, who it is that you want us to pray for. Lord, I pray that you will burden our hearts for people that you want want us to pray for and to bring to your feet. And I pray, Lord, that this will just be a really special time for everyone here that came tonight and that it spreads through our congregation as we step into all of this to focus on you and what you did. Lord, we love you. I thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do in us and through us. Jesus, we love you. And we ask this in your name.